We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant the church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. All right. Hey, we're in the the churches of Revelation. Uh, So if you would, open up your Bibles to Revelation 3. And we'll be in uh, verses 1 through 6. And we are going to have a little review. And so especially the kids, I want you to chime in. Okay? I want you to chime in and speak up, yell it out. And adults, they're going to try to beat you, but I know you can beat them. Okay? And so uh, here's a couple questions coming your way. Coming your way. This is church, so you can just yell it out. Okay? Here we go. Um, So a little review. We were in um, the church of Ephesus, okay? And Jesus, he's walking through these churches because he loves them and he knows them deeply. And we saw that Jesus noticed two things in the church of Ephesus. He noticed that there was something on, but there was no this. So what was on in this house? That's right. Nice job. There was lights. And what did the lights mean? Come on, come on. What? They, they could see like they had, they had like an understanding in the mind, right? They got the right answers. They held a good Christian orthodoxy, but there was no, there was no, what did that mean? There was no love, right? And so it was all head knowledge, no heart knowledge. Never tra- traveled the 18 inches to the heart. So Jesus says, Hey, you've abandoned your love. Come back. Love me. Love me. Okay, good job. Pretty good job, adults. Great job, kids. Pretty good job. All right, next house. Jesus walked into this house, this church. It was the church of Smyrna. It was a suffering church. Smyrna, uh, same word is uh, in Greek for myrrh. Myrrh, you got to press it down and then it smelled really good. And so Jesus walked in, and what was it like in this house? It was like someone was baking. Nice job. Good. And what did that mean, really? Come on. He liked the smell of it because it's a tough one. It smelled good because even though they were suffering, even though there was hard times, how did they respond? Like this? Like Eeyore? How did they respond? That's right. That's right. Nice job. So Jesus loved this church. They were suffering and they responded well in their suffering. It was a great, great church. Uh, And our prayer was, let's be like that church. Yeah. Um, Next house. You went in and it was like a really pretty house, but you kind of went like this. There's a little peculiar smell in there. Remember, um, Jesus and the parents, they walked down in the basement and they looked up in the ceiling. And what was kind of in the rafters and on the beam? That's right. What was the mold in that church? Bad what? 
<laughs> bad kids, someone said. <laughs> That's right. There's bad kids in that church. So get them out of there. <laughs> no. <laughs> there, <laughs> there was there's bad doctrine, right? Right? They were tolerating, tolerating poison. And um, and they had this kind of like godly quote unquote attitude, like, oh, we're all a little different, right? But and 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 it was it was this mold that slowly permeated that was the beginning of a slow death to this church. It was a slow death. So there's this call to embrace solid truth and to love it and to pursue truth, right? All right, next one. Next one. This one, last one was like not so apparent, the subtle smell, but last week we walked into this house and kids, you got this. You got this. What was in the corner? What was in the corner? Come on. That's right. Nice job, Lizzie. Nailed it. There was a tiger. Okay. What was the tiger? What was that tiger? That church tolerated the tiger. It was like parents going, yeah, yeah, you can watch my two-year-old toddler in that house. Just like maybe keep them semi-far from it. It was what? It was evil. That's right. Jezebel was this woman called herself a prophetess and she was teaching and seducing this church towards sexual immorality, right? And, uh, and so we talked about what a godly perspective of, of sex and the Christian ethics of sexuality and to pursue purity and to hold fast to an honoring biblical definition of marriage and family and to love it well. Well, this week, this week, are we ready? Jesus, okay, he is, he's coming up to this house and he loves his church. He loves it so much. He's a good coach. He wants to like encourage them and he wants to help them. And if there's things happening that are like breaking or going, he actually like cares enough to help them walk, okay? And so he walks up to this house and, and he's at the door and he's like, I don't, Really, there's think there's anyone in there, okay? And then he looks around and he sees um, all these people sleeping in the yard, okay? A little strange, right? Kids, uh, who remembers the Wizard of Oz? Okay, all right, picture Wizard of Oz, okay? And you got, you got, um, uh, oh my word, what's the main character? The girl, Dorothy, Dorothy, okay. All right, she's not in Kansas anymore. She's got her dog. What's her dog's name? Her dog's name's Toto. She's got her three friends, the scarecrow, the, the lion, and the tin man. Okay, and all those folks, they, that party, they're running towards um, the wizard, like Emerald City. They see it in the distance. There's this big field. There's this yellow path, you know, and they're running. They can't wait. They can't wait. And then all of a sudden, Okay, in the movie, it shows this like next clip and the Wicked Witch of the West in the, all the green with all those scary flying monkeys. Okay, she's going ha, 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 and she goes, how can I distract them? Something pretty, something right. Aha, aha, yeah, someone's got it. And she goes, poppies, poppies. Okay, okay. And then it goes back to the scene, and, and that party is running towards the, 
the Emerald City. And then, like, the scarecrow goes, I think I'm going to take a nap, you know? I'll just... Uh, and then the Tin Man's like, you know, uh, Dorothy, just hold on. And, and then the lion's like, right? And then Toto's like, what are you guys doing? Dorothy, everybody is down for the count. And they were like almost there. They had their sights set. And they fell asleep. They fell asleep. They were, they were just like distracted. Like, they, what were they doing? Jesus, like, same way, gets to this house. And there's like so much wonderful things to be a part of and do. And, and, to, and you, they're sleeping. Verse 1, chapter 3. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Uh, remember, each of these churches, Jesus gives a unique introduction about himself. And it is meant to, to present a unique attribute or character of Jesus so that the church can cling to that attribute and walk with him. And Jesus, in this church, instead of following the normal structure that we've seen, hey, here's something good. Here's something bad, and here's something hopeful. He jumps in right away to something bad. His introduction is about himself. But you would expect with this church for him to introduce himself with some sort of like judgment. Like, remember, hey, Larry, I've got a weapon. Remember that church? Hey, I've got a sword. Or, hey, I've got burning eyes. I, I, like, this is judgment. He talks about himself in like this gentle, gracious, and informative way. Look at that. He says, the seven spirits, which is a little bit curious. Some translations say the sevenfold spirit. Uh, throughout the Bible, and especially in the book of Revelation, seven is the number of completeness or perfection of God. And so what God is doing, he's, Jesus is introducing himself as the perfect whole complete one and so he's he's introducing now the holy spirit this church as all churches needs the holy spirit and the holy spirit is going to awaken he's going to wake up this church and just a little bit on the holy spirit before jesus ascended he looked at his disciples and he said hey i'm going to send someone and the, the situation after I'm gone is going to be way better than when I was here. Which is like, how could it get any better? Like, Jesus, we were walking with you. We were with you. We saw you face to face. He said, I'm going to send someone. He's going to be the helper, the protector, the guide, the convictor, the comforter, the teacher. And he is not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you. He's going to indwell you. The Holy Spirit, when someone places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells them, lives in them, and seals them until the day of redemption, until you die, until you meet Jesus face to face. It's this beautiful picture of security. And this church 
needs to hear about the Holy Spirit. This church, however, gets no commendation. Let's start with verse uh, 2. He says, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. So friends, church, uh, remember the church is not a building, it's not four walls, but it's the people of God. It's the people of God who are marked by the Spirit of God. Uh, the New Testament calls the church the called out ones or the set apart ones who have the Spirit. Jesus looks, looks at this church and he goes, this is modern day lingo, kind of like Kentucky style. Well, you're an active bunch, that's for sure, right? Like, well, you got a lot of business going on in this church, right? Like, I know your works, but you're not doing the things that you're supposed to be doing of what, what I told you to do. You're walking around, but it's like you're, you're, you're zombies. You're, you're walking dead. You're all asleep to the things that I hold most important. And so what we got here in this situation is we have a nominal church, okay? Uh, just a little bit history in terms of my education and my level of education. So I remember in high school and college using the word nominal, okay? And uh, I would use it in context of athletics. And I would like talk about teams and and athletes, and I'd be like, yeah, that team's like a nominal team. You know, like, oh, they're good at defense. Uh, you know, they, they run a great half-court trap, but like in terms of jump shots and things like that, they're, they're kind of nominal. And, uh, and I remember after college, someone uh, pulling like the good old Inigo Montoya on me, like, I don't think that means what you think it means, because what a, how I understood it was nominal means average. Nominal means average. Um, but uh, then my girls started like taking Latin and things, and it's like, oh, nom, name, nominal, in name only. Nominal means in name only. Jesus says, "This you, you are, you are living nominally. You you have a reputation, like people." know about you and and they they think that you're alive there's a lot of stuff going along going on a lot of programs a lot of things happening like according to this town i guess it was the place to be but it's nominal this is in name only you're just wearing crosses you're taking your kids to vbs you're you're acting like christians but you've gone asleep Verse 2, what does Jesus tell this church to do? Wake up and strengthen what remains and what is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. All right, so let's just ask a, a, a good theological question. Are these folks Christians or not, right? We're probably wondering it. Um, and I... I think that this text, this letter to this church can cut both ways, okay? And so let's just, let's just talk about one edge of the sword. Uh, let's talk about 
to you who are receiving these words right now, who might be spiritually dead, so you've never been awakened by the Holy Spirit to see the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ in this life and then the next. So this, this would mean you've never repented of your sins and placed your faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you've grown up in a Christian home because your parents like go to church or something like that, or you've always done it this way, and so that means you're a Christian, but you've never received Christ. The language of this letter would mean that you're not awake, that you're, you're sleeping, you're, you're spiritually dead. And so it's my joy and privilege to share with you how to, how to become a Christian, how to be awakened, how your eyes can be peeled, the blinders can be peeled back and you can see the beauty of the gospel this morning. How do you do that? First, you got to realize that you're dead spiritually, that you might be alive that physically and your heart is beating, but but spiritually, your heart is stone. And how to make your heart soft towards the things of God, how to love the things of God, how to pursue Jesus with your life would be to say, I want to not live for myself anymore. I want to repent of my sins, and I want to trust Jesus to save me from my sins. I can't just work harder and do better things and be a good person or drive a nice car or work, do good at my job or what would be at church. Blah, 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 blah. I need Jesus to save me. And so I need to look to him and, and by faith trust that if I say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Would you please come into my life and save me? And I want to live and I want to be the person that you want me to be, not who I want to be. I want to become a Christian, then faith means that you receive him and receive the truth that he saves you from your sins. And then the spirit comes in and starts working on you. It's beautiful. Have you ever done that? Have you ever received Jesus? Please come talk to someone who looks like they have the light of Jesus in them, right? Right? Like come, come talk to us and we would love to walk you through and, and encourage you to become a Christian. That, that's the way one edge of the sword cuts. The second edge, this text, right, if, would be poppies. <laughs> it would be poppies, right? It would be, ooh, I think, I think like I was running. I think I've kind of like taken some spiritual naps here every once in a while. Okay, so let me just be real as your pastor. Hopefully you don't have this impression that, that I'm perfect. Sometimes I'm like, whew, this is how it works in my life. Ready? Man, I feel like I am dozing off in certain areas of my life. Like, Lord, I kind of, I, I need to be honest with you. I actually want to take a nap here. I want to be lazy in, in this area of my life. Like, I want the poppies. And so I need you to come and awaken this, this heart of mine. Um, uh, here's how it plays out in conversations in our home. Like, I was driving my daughter, um, and, and we were in the car. She's sitting shotgun. Hey, hey, Dad, what are you preaching on tomorrow? Preaching on the church of Sardis. Yeah, what's that about? It's about a church that's asleep. And honestly, sometimes, baby, I, I feel asleep in certain areas. What do you mean, Dad? Like, I don't know. I just, 
I'm, I'm, and I'm going to try to lay out what the poppies are in my life, okay? I just, I get so focused on saving for college. Um, and like, Lord, how in the world is this retirement going to work out for me? And um, Lord, how much should I mulch this year? Um, and uh, and how, what in... What about this project in my house? And is it okay? maybe I should just leave it? And wait, how much would it cost to edge this or to paint this or to put up this? Or man, I wish my grass looked better. Maybe I should poppies. You know, and my kids need this for school and and this for you know and schedules and sport and more and more in my mind, in my heart, in my loves start going, and at night I start just looking on Facebook Market instead of poppies. Have I, have I, have I replaced responsibility in my life for living radically for Jesus? Have I been on my phone more than in my Bible? Does the length of my grass and and its greenness occupy my mind more than the spiritual well-being of my wife, my kids, my community group, my church, and my heart? Or is it just my grass that's on my mind? And if so, I need to wake up I need the Spirit to waken and revive my heart. I need revival in my heart. This is not just, oh, I'm a Christian. This text has nothing to do with me. I need awakening here. These churches have been good for me in my heart. Well, praise God that salvation works like this. When you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you, the sevenfold Spirit. The one who brings completeness has promised to complete you. And so He starts working on you and growing you and, and taking out the idols of your heart. It's not just like, oh, I'll see you, Jesus, when I get to heaven, and anytime I experience trouble, I'll pray. It's like a graduation ceremony. We call it a commencement ceremony because it's not just the end of something, it's the beginning of something. And so you come to Christ and it's a new life. You you begin to walk with Him. And you go through ups and downs, but you have a new like beginning. It's a spiritual awakening. And you keep waking up, waking up, waking up. And let me just be specific. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to just write down this. What are you awakened to? To walk with Jesus and you're awakened to His work. You're awakened to walk with Him, just like we sang about. We get Him. But we also get to participate in what He wants to do on this earth. You are awakened to be occupied and consumed with His work. Okay, First uh, Thessalonians 1.9, don't go there, just write it down in the margin. It says, how you turned away from idols to serve 
the living and true God. That's a picture of conversion. That's a picture of conversion. So, should I do my mulch? Should I mulch my flower beds? Yeah, I should, right? Like God loves it when I enjoy beauty and I'm outside. And should I mow my grass? Yes, of course. I love it when it's nice and green and whatever. And God loves beauty. He loves it when we take care and steward the land and home and things that we've given. But if it, it consumes our love, then we need to be awakened. Let me just share with you two stories so you get a better picture of an idea of what it means to be awakened, to walk with Jesus, and to be awakened to His work, okay? 2017, Hannah and I and our four girls, we didn't have bunnies or dogs at the time, FYI, okay? We moved to Ohio, and one of the first persons that I sat down with for a lunch, he brought out a map of his neighborhood, okay? He's like, let me just show you. Let me just show you what I've been praying about, okay? Map of the neighborhood. Every house on the map, okay? And, and every house had a name written over it. And this man and his wife knew every person in their neighborhood. And they knew the spiritual condition of every person in their neighborhood. If they were saved or not saved. He knew how they were doing. And they were so enthralled, entrenched, like overcome, like just buried in the work of prayer and meeting their neighborhood. They wanted the lost to come to know Jesus. That's a man and a woman who's woken, right? That, that, that's an awakened spirit. Uh, that's an alive heart, right? Not just like, oh, I go to work and I come home. This is what I do. This is the living and die, and 401k, and 401c3b, 571c3. That guy loves Jesus. No poppies in that house. Second story. I remember Han and I, a uh, summer or two ago, uh, went to Texas and went to a wedding. We got to disciple this girl like since she was seventh grade all the way to her wedding. It was just beautiful, right? She married this awesome guy and uh, uh, rehearsal dinner. Um, I remember the women kind of went over here, the men kind of went over here, and I was sitting around like eight or nine guys that like for the last decade I had um, just gotten the opportunity to grow in Christ with, to disciple with. They discipled me. We all, right? This is, we just grew together. And while we can talk about things that are responsible, like, hey, how are you doing? Hey, what do you think about kids and where they should go for college? And are you saying it? They were totally consumed with people knowing God and growing in Him. And so coming back, you know, 2017 now or 2018, oh, Mike, you wouldn't believe this guy. He is so growing in Christ. He can't, I mean, he, you know, remember when you left? Well, now check it out. He's discipling someone. Like he started meeting them and they're going through Romans together. Can you believe that? I mean, he didn't even know where Romans was a year ago. And now he's talking about the righteousness of God to these students. Isn't that incredible? What? That's incredible. And you, you know the guy that, you know, you spent time with talking and you're like training him. Now he's leading worship at our church. He leads worship every Sunday. He's doing a great job and this and that. And there's 11 people up there and they're all from the youth group. And they're all, there's like, and they're just serving their church and loving it. It's great. What? Are you, oh my goodness. That's the spirit. 
That's, they're awakened. And you wouldn't get this guy. All right, he comes to church, okay? Doesn't know the Lord at all. Like him and his him and his girlfriend or this and that. Da, 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 da. And then they heard the gospel. They, they were taking communion. You were like, hey, do you know the Lord? And they're like, what? What are you doing? You know, and so we had this discussion. And then they said, well, we want Jesus. They came to know Christ. And they're like, well, if we are following him, we got to follow his word. And so they got married. So they got married in the backyard. And then they got baptized in this backyard pool. And it's like, they're just like, oh, this. They, they couldn't stop talking about the work of God. They couldn't stop talking about it. It was, it, that was their joy. It's their life. Uh, people that are that have been awakened this is this is what they love you talk about what you love you fill your calendar with the things that you love that's what you do no poppies in that group of men and let me just be clear they battle the poppies they battle them and they're honest with each other but they have a heart that is awakened towards Jesus. Well, can Jesus shut down nominal Christianity? Can he shut down the poppies in my life, in your life, in our church? Like, we got to say, absolutely. The gospel is powerful enough. He can shut it down. And he does all the time. Does he give us specific instruction on how to do it? Yeah, he does. He does. So let's go to verse 3, okay? I'll read it for us. Verse 3, remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. All right, so it's like Jesus. He, he lays out some steps for us. You're just like in Bible study methods. You would underline or mark the, a couple of those verbs, like remember, keep it, repent. Okay, so let's just talk about those three things. Okay, let's talk about them. So remember. Remember and keep. Let's just kind of circle and tie those together. Remember and keep, okay? So we as Christians are people of the light. We have been granted the, the mystery of the gospel that lost people don't know about, Okay. Their eyes are blind. It's not because we were smarter or better or anything like that. It's just because of Jesus, okay? And a lot of them are like pre-Christians. They just haven't been told yet. And it's our job to tell them. And then Jesus will save them. But we have been entrusted with the truths, the mysteries of God. Like, like we know the truth about creation. We know the truth about the story of God in the Old Testament and how He used Israel to be a light to the nations. We, we know the truth about the line of David and how Jesus came from, from Him. We know the truth that Jesus was born of a virgin. We know the truth that, that Jesus lived a sinless life. We know the truth that one day Jesus walked on a mountain and He said to, to His disciples, let me show you my glory. And he, he was opened up and His glory shone before them. We know the truth about His crucifixion, that He died a perfect death. 
We know the truths about his resurrection, that after he was in the tomb for three days, he, he rose again. He, he, he showed himself to many to affirm what was true. And we know about his plan that he is going to come again. He came at his first advent, we say. The first Adam was in Genesis, the first man. The second Adam came, um, and he will come again, Jesus Christ. He'll come in the clouds. We know these truths. We are to remember them, and we're to keep them. And we're just supposed to sit on them, right? <laughs> just like, no, no, we're not supposed to sit on them. But there is one more. It says, remember then what you've received and heard. Keep it. And then it says, repent. Well, repent of what, right? Re repent that you've been asleep. You've been sitting on these truths. So repent, church, of the shifting of priorities. Repent of the poppies that we've loved and we've chased after because we've laid aside God. Now, just to encourage you as your pastor, I don't think that we like are asleep as a church. I think we're doing really well. So this is an excel still more. I keep pursuing Jesus and talking about him. And if the Holy Spirit is working in your life through this text, praise God. He promises to do so, actually, despite me. Watch this. He says earlier, for I have found your works, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. So this church, Church of Sardis, was doing all this stuff, not the right stuff. And so this is an encouragement and a challenge to this church and admonishment. No, no, no. Take these truths, like we studied in 2 Timothy 2 2, and impart them, extol them, teach them to others. In short, Christians should be about the business of making disciples. Now, COVID has certainly exposed the church in many ways, hasn't it? The Church of America, let's say, let's talk about it in broad. It has exposed, like before COVID, we could say, and this is a little bit of an overstatement, but hey, we got Easter. We got Christmas. We got great Sunday weekend services. And then COVID happened and it was all stripped away. Did the gospel go out through God's people without Sunday services? This is not a bash on Sunday services. It's why we called our church the gathering, because God loves so much the gathering of his people and then the scattering. But we were just limited to, this, to the scattering, really, for a good three, four months. Did the lost hear about the gospel through our lips? Did our homes deepen in their understanding of the Scriptures? Did we strive to make disciples even though we couldn't see each other's face? So these are the essential questions that, is being, that are being asked to the church of Sardis and to us as well. Like this is the work. The church of Sardis, it probably had a million programs. A lot of cool logos, but no life. A lot of cool t-shirts, but it was the missing, the vibrancy 
of the people of God walking with God and helping other people grow in God. That's discipleship, helping others follow Jesus. So, how does this work out practically? You might be like listening today and be like, all right, Newman, come on, but you're a pastor and like I've got a job and I work 50, 60 hours a week and got a family and things like that. Are you saying I should quit my job? <laughs> Maybe. But not all the time. Uh, Luke didn't in the Bible. He was a doctor. And he was consumed with the work of God. He wrote the book of Luke and Acts. And he used his skills. He used his time. He used his spiritual gifts to disciple. So I would say, Luke would say to you now, your work is your platform, people. Work your tail off. I don't know if you could say that, but like work hard. Work hard and, and, and talk about eternal things and, and meet with others to, to deepen in the Lord and read the Word and then and seek to share it at work and at your home and things like that. Like feed yourself and then feed others. Like that's, that's real. That is the Christian life. The simplicity is this. Ready? Like wake up. Ask for Jesus in the morning. Just what we're saying. Right? Read the Bible. And then sometime throughout the day, like practice these things, meaning, meaning seek to share what you just read that morning and watch the Lord open up doors. Watch him open up hearts. So that, that's for any age. Yeah. Spouses, like families, any age. Ask this question in your home. Hey, would you read in a word this morning? It's a really good question. Real simple question. I didn't make it up. Right. But it, it prods you to start talking more and more about it, okay? And if it, it, a lot of times, like, hey, what'd you read this morning? <clears throat> totally forget. I don't know. That's okay. Let's let's shoot for it tomorrow, right? Right? And like, just like in education, when your kids come home and you say, "What did you learn?" Um, you learn better when you know that you're going to be asked. So let's like start asking each other more, and we'll put the word of God more on our lips. This is the Christian life. Just trying to be simple. Um, there is a real message, and we're closing up. You guys are doing great. There's a real message to those who don't listen to this call. Okay, If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. So that's a promise. Jesus isn't bluffing. It's for real. You know, come like a thief. Um, like you won't expect it. Uh, this past week, my family went camping. We had two tents. We're, we're figuring this camping thing out. One for sleeping in, one for like changing in and like keeping the food in. And like, so it's like, it's cleaner that way. So this the little tent, we kept our cooler in and our food. And one of my girls said, Dad, we've got to put the Oreo cookies, double chocolate stuff, cooked Oreo cookies in the car. They're too good. Something's going to go and get them. Something's going to be like a thief in the night. They didn't say that, but that. And we're like, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. And we didn't do it, you know. Okay. And we woke up and a critter, maybe a bear, maybe a raccoon, maybe a fox, opened up, 
passed by the hot chocolate mix, passed by the marshmallows, and went for the Oreo cookies like a thief in the night. Can you believe that? I know. I know. And it was very unexpected. Even though we were like talked about it, we knew about it, but it was that was it. There it is. Moral of the story. Put your Oreos in the car. Okay? So, verse 4. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and will never blot out this name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So Jesus tells this church there are some true Christians in there, there's a few of them, and he describes them as those who have not soiled their garments. Uh, garments are uh, what is used to clothe a person, obviously, and here it is in reference to character, how they're identified, known. It's their character. And the word soiled means polluted or stained. So it's saying there's, that these, they use, these few people, their character is pure. They haven't stained their character. They're pursuing purity and righteousness in Christ. Not perfect, but progressive. So Jesus is saying there's a remnant, not the majority, but a few whose heart is for me. And they live it. They walk it by their lifestyle. And it says in the text that they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Which is pretty cool because... Uh, in the scriptures, it's never been about the material heaven. It's never been about just wanting the streets of gold, although it would probably be cool, or the pearly gates, or just the glory of the landscape. It's always been about wanting Jesus. Like their reward is that they get to walk with him. They get him. It's almost like Jesus is saying in these verses, because they've been walking with me, They'll keep walking with me in white. And verse 5 tells us really three things that are beautiful promises for us. First one, you'll be clothed in white garments. So the result of the gospel in your life, Jesus' work on the cross for you, you'll be clothed in white garments is a beautiful old hymn. If you don't know it, look it up. This is called His Robes for Mine. Anybody know it out there? His Robes for Mine. Let me read two stanzas of it. This is the gospel. His Robes for Mine. A wonderful exchange. Clothed in my sin, Christ suffered neath God's rage. Draped in His righteousness, I'm justified. In Christ I live for in my place he died. And the last refrain is, his robes for mine, such anguish none can know. Christ, God's beloved, condemned as though his foe. He, as though I, accursed and left alone, I, as though he, embraced and welcomed home. So friends, you will be clothed in white robes. That's number one. Number two, he will never blot out your name. So kids, there is something in the Bible, something real, and it's called the book of life. It's also called the Lamb's book of life. Uh, it's a big book. 
And one day, when we all die or whatever, we'll go in heaven. And I kind of imagine it like we'll be standing in the line. And Jesus has has got this big old book open. And he goes, Sarah? He turns to the S's. And he goes, I know your name. You're right there. I knew it before the foundations of of the earth. And I am so excited to see you. Welcome home. Those who are written in the book have been chosen before the foundation of the world, elected, and they have been granted repentance and faith. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture. It's real. Are you in the book? If what I just said to you compels you to know, if what I just shared with you draws you in, that is the Spirit drawing you, and you must give your life to Jesus by repenting of your sin and placing your faith and trust in Him. If you don't know if you're in the book, if you want to be in the book, believe in Jesus. And then he says, I will never blot out His name from the book of life. So this is a proclamation of eternal security. Okay, This is a comfort, not a threat. It's easy to read that promise and say, well, does Jesus blot out names from the book of life? Then you read it again and go, I will never blot out his name from the book. So that's that's a promise. He'll never blot out your name. In John's day, rulers and Uh, They would keep a register of citizens of that city. And if some died or if some committed great crimes, they would take the registry and they would blot out the names. And Jesus is saying, that's not me. I don't do that. If you have faith, if you're secure in me, you're coming to heaven. You'll be there. It's a beautiful promise that Jesus doesn't erase true Christians from the name uh, their name from the book of life. And three and last one, it says, I will confess your name. In the book of Matthew, Jesus says, hey, if you follow me, I want you to confess my name. And at the end, he, it says, confesses our names to the Father and his angels. What's going on there? Why would he say, and his angels? Like, isn't he just... what? And I would say this, he is so proud of you. Can you imagine? Like one day, your Savior and Lord going, this is Sarah to the heavenly host. Sarah's here. We've been waiting for her. Are we so excited to see Sarah? (sighs) He's proud. He's excited. And so should you. And so he who has an ear to hear today, let him hear this good news. Let's pray. So Father, we love you. And we love, we love your word. And we wait on you now to work. Lord, we want to cling to you. We want to hold fast. Help us not fall in love with the poppies. And so we are thankful that you have prescribed one way to remember you, and that is through taking your supper, the supper of your son. 
Through the bread, we remember his body was, was beaten and broken for us. Through the blood, we remember that it was poured out and spilled and we're covered, we're forgiven. And it's this opportunity to say, oh, I've got poppies in my life and I need to be washed clean. Thank you for your grace and forgiveness. And so we sit, we ask the spirit to examine our hearts, our minds, and we take with joy. We remember and we proclaim the mystery that it is in the gospel and that your son Jesus shall come again. Would you help us until then? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.